everyone, and welcome to another episode of Give Me Liberty. My name is James Wilson, and today I will be talking about Mike Bloomberg, a presidential candidate, the governor from California, Tulsi Gabbard and her say in the impeachment trials, and of course, President Trump. Now, before we start, I want to give a quick reminder to please check out my YouTube channel. It is a new YouTube channel. The podcast episode I created before this just yesterday explains the promotion going on with that. Make sure to check out those videos. In fact, this podcast is also a video that you can check out on my channel. As always, thanks for listening. And as a new update or upgrade or however you want to think of it, this podcast, a new episode will now be posted every other day. I'm super excited about the growing amount of listeners, so I've decided to make this podcast more daily. Um, So enjoy. Okay, so we got a lot to get to today, starting with Democratic presidential hopeful Mike Bloomberg, a presidential candidate who's been on the stage the past couple of debates. He came out with an ad about gun control and specifically school shootings. And in this video, he basically blames Trump for all the school shootings that have happened since he took office. Um, Not to mention that school shootings did happen under Obama, but just saying. So in this ad, it's it's focused in a classroom, and there's numbers to the side, and then it flashes the school name, and then it slowly gets faster all the way up until it's speeding through all the names and the numbers until it gets to 263. And basically what Bloomberg is claiming is that since Trump took office, there have been 263 school shootings, and that's Trump's fault, and that's why you should vote for Mike Bloomberg for president. Kind of confusing pitch from the video. I'm not exactly getting it, but he can do whatever he wants, except for the fact that, as Daily Wire reports, many of the schools in the video that he put out Many of them didn't have necessarily what you would define as a school shooting. Now, before I get into it a little more, let me just say that school shootings are bad no matter how big or how small they are. And so is gun violence. Gun violence is very bad. The left and the right have disagreed on guns for a very long time. The left often accuses conservatives of not caring about these incidents, school shootings, gun violence, and it's their fault. However, conservatives just have a different approach on how to look at gun violence. I'm going to get into this a little more, so I'll hold off just a little bit, but what I will say is while the left takes the stance that we just basically need to ban all guns, The conservatives take a view that guns are an important part of life, they're good for defense, and they protect against tyranny, so they need to be used, but we can use them in a way that's safe and protects everyone. So I'll get into a little more about that later, specifically school shootings, um, specifically. So back to Mike Bloomberg. In his video, he put some schools in the list that 
wouldn't what you'd necessarily define as a school shooting. So before I start reading some of these incidents, I'd like you to start thinking about what you would say a school shooting is. So what is the purpose of the shooter? When does it take place? I mean, obviously we know that school shootings always take place during the school day when there's kids, but does it take place in the middle of the night? Does it take place in the middle of the day? When does it take place? What's the purpose of the shooter? Are there usually casualties? Are people injured? Does it cause a lot of trauma and sadness? Is it an awful, terrible thing? Yes, of course, the last one is true. School shootings are awful and terrible. So I just want you to start thinking about some of those things as I read some of the incidents that happened at these schools. So to start in February 2017, a man allegedly kidnapped his former girlfriend, according to the Star Tribune, and drove her into a parking lot in a middle school in Minnesota. When she escaped from his vehicle, he proceeded to shoot himself in the head. Now this is by far not a good thing at all. Suicide is a bad thing, gun violence, any any time a gun is used to harm you or someone else and it's not in self-defense, that's a very bad thing. So this is not a good thing, but is this something that you would consider a school shooting? If someone commits suicide in a school parking lot, is that what you would consider a school shooting? If someone told you there was another school shooting that day, it was on the news, would you think of someone who shot themselves in their car in the school parking lot? So next, in September 2018, a student in Georgia was found in the restroom with a gunshot wound, according to WSAV. Again, would you consider this a school shooting? Did this harm others? No, it's not a good thing, but did it harm others? When I say school shooting, is that the type of, are those the type of events that you think of? Next, in November 2018, a school resource officer committed suicide by firearm in Baltimore, Maryland. Very sad, but would you consider that a school shooting? In December 2018, a student at Jefferson High School in Oregon reportedly took his own life using a firearm. This one's very similar to some of the other cases I have already read. Lots of the ones on this list our suicide at the school, but I'd like you to go back to what you thought of when I said school shooting. Who gets hurt? What's the purpose of the shooter? When does it take place? What do you think of when I say school shooting? Are these the type of things you think of when I say school shooting? When Mike Bloomberg says there has been 263 school shootings since Trump took office, do you think of them as people shooting themselves with a gun in a school parking lot. Next, in August 2019, a man, quote, allegedly fired three shots into the ground because of a dispute with landscapers over trees that had fallen across his property line, according to WABC. Now, should this guy have a gun? If he's willing to shoot three shots even into the ground at a school, this guy should not have a gun. However, was anyone injured? Was anyone hurt? What was the intent of this man when he fired three shots into the ground? Of course, it was a pretty stupid thing to do. 
but is this a school shooting? And then last, the last one I'll read, but the list continues on. In October 2019, a student at the University of Georgia shot himself in the leg by accident with a firearm. Now this, to me, is the craziest of them all because in some of these, these were suicides, which are not a good thing. It, it does involve firing of gun at someone, even if it is themselves, which is by far not a good thing. It doesn't harm others. It doesn't cause trauma in the same way. The purpose of the shooter is not to harm others. It's to harm themselves, which again is not a good thing. This guy accidentally shot himself in the leg. So I don't know the full details on this, but by hearing this, I automatically think he was probably concealed carrying. He was at the University of Georgia, so bigger campus, and he accidentally shot himself in the leg. Wow, what a big, scary school shooting that we should all worry about, should all be stressed out about. So there are a couple things wrong with this video, in my opinion. It's the way that Mike Bloomberg uses false information to tell you that he is the best candidate. Through this video, he he is using misleading claims, which in my opinion, misleading claims are false statements and false statements degrade society. He is misleading you. He is exaggerating certain claims all to tell you that he is the best presidential candidate and he will solve whatever this is. He's exaggerating the problem, which not to say there isn't a school, there are, there are a lot of school shootings and they need to be addressed, but he's exaggerating what's ap actually happening. He's obviously pretty desperate if he has to include these schools in his list. He doesn't need to be doing this. And when you tell people false stuff and people believe it, and they'll vote for Mike Bloomberg because of this, that's just a flat out lying politician. And we can't have politicians that lie, that really hurts America and it degrades society. So I'll provide another example. I'm talking about Mike Bloomberg in this example, but this applies to everyone, specifically the media. As we know in the news lately, there was a boy who was miscategorized. He kind of, they kind of painted him as a terrible, evil person wearing a MAGA hat, student wearing a MAGA hat. I don't know all the details on it, but I do know they pretty much painted him as an awful, terrible person. CNN and the Washington Post, CNN is being sued for $275 million right now from this boy. Good for him for, for miscategorizing this boy and explaining a situation that was totally exaggerated and was mainly false. So another example of this is many people think that Trump called Mexicans murderers. However, in the statement that he gave where the media is claiming that he said this, he actually said that MS-13 gang members were murderers. Now this is a huge difference. And when you have a media that's willing to tell the public that the President of the United States said this, I would like, I would like to hear what people think. I bet, I bet a large percentage of the American population believes that Trump said that Mexicans are murderers. 
which is wrong and false. But the media is painting this picture so that people think that way, so that they don't want to vote for Trump, so that they see themselves that they disagree with Trump on lots of issues and and things like that. And they may they may do that, but that that does not need to happen through false statements, misleading statements that degrade society. So I've talked about this on the show a lot, but people will base their opinions off these false statistics and claim and claims, and you'll get people who will vote for Mike Bloomberg because of this, which is is really sad in my opinion that a politician would be willing to lie to get more votes and post um, um, post something that isn't actually true or accurate or misleading. Um, not to mention that Mike Bloomberg blamed this all on Trump, which is also kind of sad because this has been happening for a while. And I wouldn't say it's one. I wouldn't say it's one president's fault for this. He did say things like, "quote I won't let them take away your guns," but what he is doing here is protecting the Second Amendment right, something that's really important for many reasons, and I'll get to that in a second but something that we need in this country. And there are obviously other solutions than just gun control. So the fact that Mike Bloomberg is using misleading statements to advance his agenda and get more votes and blame the president of the United States for something that he should not be blamed for is all really sad to me. Don't vote for Michael Bloomberg. <laughs> okay, so while we're on the topic of guns, I want to get to the Second Amendment right and then also school shootings. So first about the Second Amendment right, there are a couple reasons why the Second Amendment is so important. Now I talked about this a little earlier, I said I'd talk about this a little more in depth. Here it goes. Republicans and Democrats disagree on the way we treat guns. The left believes that we should limit guns, take away all guns. However, they already tried an advanced rifle AR ban and that did not change crime rates at all. Most of gun deaths are with handguns, but to take away handguns, you'd pretty much be taking away almost all guns in the United States, which is a very radical left policy to take away all guns. So, you're left with the right who thinks that guns can be used for good. There are good guys with guns stopping bad guys with guns. Additionally, guns serve two fundamental purposes that I'm going to talk about now. And the first is that you're able to protect yourself. Number one, in your home, and number two, through concealed carry laws. So first, in your home. Beto O'Rourke is one of the ones who is particularly strong on gun control. He recently dropped out, but was uh, used to be a, a Democratic presidential candidate and he said yeah we're going to take away your AR-15s your AK-47s and during a Q&A session a lady came up and said you're not going to take my guns I am five foot three and a mother of four if someone comes into my house I need to defend myself I think she's actually running for congress now which I think is pretty cool I may be wrong on that though so she makes a very good point about this People need to defend themselves in their home and through concealed carry laws. We saw this over the last weekend when a good guy with a gun stopped a bad guy at a church who could have killed multiple other people. 
It's interesting to see the response from many people, such as Elizabeth Warren, who said, yeah, that doesn't happen very much, and we still need to restrict those laws when we see a direct example of this. But the first reason why you have guns is so you can protect yourself. And the second reason is because of an abusive government. And this was specifically in the minds of the Founding Fathers as they just um, declared independence from Great Britain. They were scared of a tyranny, an abusive government, a king. There's a Ben Franklin quote that I really like. And he says, You have a democracy when the government is afraid of the people. You have a tyranny when the people are afraid of the government. And he is exactly right. To keep the government in check, you need the Second Amendment right. That's one of the reasons why it was created in the first place, to prevent against tyranny. When citizens don't have guns, there's no threat to the American government, and if they can, and if they want to do whatever they want, there's no one stopping them. So those are the two reasons why the Second Amendment is so important. Number one, to protect yourself, and number two, to protect against abusive government. So now let's talk specifically about school shootings. So many of the Democrats have proposed just taking away guns in general. I've already talked about that a little bit, so I'll just get straight to the solution that I would propose on the show today, and that is arming teachers. As I've said before, it is common for good guys with guns to stop bad guys with guns. And before I continue on, let me just say, I actually go to school, so I have some skin in the game. I see school shootings a lot, and it scares me. So I am looking for solutions that will best protect me and other students at my school and schools around the United States. But anyway, back to arming teachers. So there will be, there would obviously, we would need a couple of restrictions, rules, requirements, things like that. And the first is that a teacher would have to go to the, through the same training as a police officer or a school resource officer. They would have to get the mental checks, things like that, just like police officers, other people in those positions to make sure that they are mentally stable and that they will be completely safe with the gun. Additionally, they will be trained just like a police officer. And then the other thing is that if you were to arm teachers, it would be the decision by the teacher. We wouldn't force a teacher to have a gun. That's not right. But if a teacher does want to have a gun and they're able to pass the training, pass the mental checks to make sure they're mentally stable and will be safe with a gun, they should be able to have a gun to protect their school and their classroom. So let's walk through what would happen if you are if you don't arm teachers. So a school shooter walks into the building. There is usually one to two school resource officers, police officers in the school with a gun trained to use it. The school shooter has probably a very a gun that can shoot many bullets very fast. We saw that in the Dayton, Ohio shooting outside a bar. The guy shot for 24 seconds and I think killed somewhere around seven people before the police showed up. That's very sad. So what you need to stop this is multiple peoples with guns all around the school who are obviously trained. So the school shooter comes in, the 
the police officer who is in the school may be on the complete opposite side of it and may not be able to get to the school shooter in time before they start shooting at students um, and make a terrible tragic event. However, if you do arm teachers, the first thing is there we may see even less school shootings in general because of the fact that these mentally unstable, crazy people who want to shoot up schools, they might not want to anymore knowing that teachers around the school have guns, are trained and ready to use it. They don't know where the guns are, but they know there are multiple, anywhere from 5 to 20, for example. But if they are crazy enough to come to the school and actually try to shoot students and create a terrible, tragic event, what would happen is there'd be multiple teachers, again, anywhere from 5 to 20, most likely, teachers around the school who are trained and ready to use a gun. Many schools have lockdown drills, things like that. The teacher could, the teacher closest to the school shooter could immediately eliminate the threat, just like we saw at the church in Texas over the last weekend. So a Columbine survivor actually advocated for this. His story, he has an interesting story. He was actually shot by the gunman, but passed by before being shot again that would have killed him. So he actually ended up surviving. And ever since this, he's been advocating for arming teachers. I think that's important to note because he was in a school shooting. He knew what happened. He knew he knew how it worked, what where the shooters were, where the teachers were, how they could have stopped it, things like that. So he's been going around advocating for this. Again, you can't wait for the police to show up. Again, in the Dayton, Ohio shooting, 24 seconds, and he was able to kill at least seven people. I would have to check the statistics, but I think it was around seven people in 24 seconds. You need to have teachers armed and around the school. All right, so next we get to the governor of California blaming Trump for their homeless problem. So this is an interesting one. Over the past couple of years, homelessness has been skyrocketing in California. Now, obviously, I hope we can all agree that we want everyone to live a happy, healthy, long life with family and friends. So we don't want homelessness. We want people to be employed with a good job so they have these opportunities that, that capitalism allows us all to have. So the governor of California came out and is blaming Trump for all of this, which kind of surprised me because Trump has a booming economy and one of the lowest unemployment rates, I think the lowest unemployment rate in history, specifically among minorities. So I don't know why he's blaming Trump, especially because it's their state. They should be working for solutions for their state. But anyway, here are a couple of California's quote-unquote solutions to homelessness. So first, they're making public places for these these homeless people to stay. Now, before I get into any more detail, I'd like to say that this isn't necessarily a bad thing, but there's two things wrong with it. First, you're having taxpayers pay for this, and many uh, um, people with the homeless problem do have access to drugs. And the second thing is that 
by providing a place for them to stay, you're not actually solving the problem. You're just giving them a place to stay. One way you could solve the problem is teach people how to work, do community service. I'll get into that in a second. But that's not really doing anything. It's not teaching them how to be productive. It's not teaching them how to get out of the situation that they're already in. It just makes them want to stay in the situation they're in because they're given the stuff they need. And then the second thing is amidst all the climate change complaining things like that there have been new housing restrictions new housing requirements when you build new houses ben carson secretary of um, urban development he talked about this a little bit and how when you make these new houses have to meet new standards new climate standards way they're built way they function things like that you're going to skyrocket that the price of the house which we've already been seeing, it's incredibly expensive to live in California. So these two things combined, the fact that you're drawing homeless population to California and you're not helping them get out of the situation, you're just allowing them to stay in the situation they're already in and kind of want to stay in, in the situation because they're getting taxpayer dollars to be where they are. And then also new requirements on new houses to make the houses really expensive. So those two things combined make it pretty hard to get a house and would definitely skyrocket the homeless population, which we've already been seeing, and the governor of California is blaming Trump for this. So second, I would like, about this issue, I'd like to talk about some real solutions that we could do about this. And the first is charities. It's a statistic that red states donate more to charity than blue states do. Do you know what red states are also in favor for? Lower taxes. California obviously does not have very low taxes. Utah doesn't even have a sales tax. But say you were to lower taxes in California. That would put more money into people's pockets in California, which they could then use to give to charity. And charities often help people like this get out of situ get out of the situation they're in, help them get a job, things like that. That's the first idea. But the real solution, I think, to this problem is community service jobs. Like I said earlier, you can give them a place to stay, but that's not teaching them how to work. That's not teaching them how to get out of the situation they are currently in. So to do that, you could provide something like a community service job. The United States did this in the past. Unfortunately, they discontinued it because it was unfair, but in my opinion, it worked really well. You could set up something in the communities, such as help cleaning up trash around the community, and they will get paid for doing this. So they're working for their money, and then usually with this, they'll get classes about how to become financially stable, how to budget their money, things like that. So they're not just receiving free money, they're working for their money, so they learn how to work, they learn how to get money, and then they learn how to use that money. When you teach someone how to do that, you have a chance of them actually getting out of homelessness and getting them a house so that they can live a long and happy, healthy life with friends and family, something we all want. So with the combination of lowering taxes, not making such high requirements on new houses, so it's not 
it's more affordable to live in California with the help of charities and teaching these people how to work, you might actually be able to decrease the homelessness, something that we all want in California. But instead of taking action, the governor of California has decided to just blame this all on Trump because Trump is being blamed for everything as we've seen, even though he's had a booming economy and the unemployment rate has been the lowest. So next we get to an impeachment update. Tulsi Gabbard was the only Democrat to vote present on impeachment. She is also a presidential candidate uh, running as a Democrat against Michael Bloomberg, as we've already talked about. And in a statement, here's what she had to say, quote, After doing my due diligence and reviewing the 658-page impeachment report, I came to the conclusion that I could not in good conscience vote either yes or no. I am standing in the center and have decided to vote present. I could not in good conscience vote against impeachment because I believe President Trump is guilty of wrongdoing. I also could not in good conscience vote for impeachment because removal of a sitting president must not be the culmination of a partisan process, fueled by the tribal animosities that have so gravely divided our country. Now, I still disagree with Tulsi Gabbard. I think she should have voted no on impeachment. I don't think impeachment should be moving forward. It's moving really fast. They got a bunch of random witnesses, such as someone from Stanford. I don't know what they know about the impeachment that's going to change your mind. They rush this through. They're trying to get the vote for before Christmas. Now they want the Senate to call witnesses when they could have called the witnesses themselves. I would have voted no. However, Tulsi Gabbard is a Democrat, and as she stated, she believes President Trump is guilty of wrongdoing. Now, I do disagree, but everyone's entitled to their own opinion in the United States. But I do think she makes a good point. Even though she believed President Trump was guilty of wrongdoing, she didn't want to vote for it because she noticed that not a single Republican in the House voted for impeachment. Now, that is huge. That makes Tulsi Gabbard seem to be a little bit more moderate on the Democratic stage. I'd say her and Joe Biden are probably the most moderate. But anyway, there's a quote, a house divided cannot stand. She is exactly right on this. If this is a completely partisan process, this will not be good for the country. So, for saying this, however, she is being criticized by many people in kind of a sad way, including from a former CNN anchor. So a CNN anchor called her a coward for not picking a side. That's, that's pretty sad. I don't think you should be called a coward in many cases. She has, she has an opinion, and it's not a bad one. I disagree. President Trump is not guilty of wrongdoing. Tr President Trump is innocent. However, she disagrees with me, but she does believe that this is partisan, a fair opinion. She believes, as we've seen, not a single Republican voted for it. That's a fair opinion to not vote for it because you see that only Democrats are voting for it. But she's being called a coward for not picking a side. Now, this is the thing about politics I also find kind of sad. 
I feel like when someone disagrees with you, they'll often try to shut you down. And you see this um, from the left to the right a lot. Lots of people who are more conservative are afraid to speak up because they'll be called a coward in this case and other cases if they stand up for what they believe. And that's really shutting down free speech in America. And I think people should be more open to other other peers' opinions, things like that. Okay, so the last thing we are going to get to today is a CNN article by F. Michael Higginbotham saying that it's patriotic. It's patriotic for Trump to resign. I'll read a little bit of what he has to say. So he says, quote, Over the course of his, Nixon's, 30-year political career, he showed himself to be vindictive, paranoid, and selfish, but his decision to resign could be characterized as an act of patriotism. It spared the nation a painful and extremely divisive process of removing the commander-in-chief from office. One thing is clear. By resigning, he protected not only his own historical legacy, but also the country he had taken an oath to serve. Donald Trump should follow suit. Recently, a majority of the House of Representatives, Re Representatives voted to impeach Donald Trump for abuse of power and obstruction of Congress. Both articles arise from Trump's alleged involvement in a scheme to solicit an investigation of political dirt against Joe Biden by American government officials, despite no evidence of wrongdoing, in exchange for military aid to help Ukraine in its ongoing conflict with Russia. Prior to Trump, the impeachment provisions of the Constitution were initiated against three other presidents. Andrew Johnson, whose case fell one vote short of conviction in the Senate, Nixon's, whose proceedings never came to a vote, and Bill Clinton, whose case failed to reach even a majority in the Senate, let alone the two-thirds needed to remove for, for removal from office. Of the three, Trump's behavior most resembles Nixon's. So there are a couple of things I like slash don't like about this article. Starting with this. By resigning, he protected not only his own historical legacy, but also the country he had taken an oath to serve. Now, he's talking about Nixon right now, but then he follows it up with Donald Trump should follow suit. So he's now saying that to protect Donald Trump's historical legacy and protecting the country he had taken an oath to serve, Donald Trump should resign. Now this is kind of crazy to me, considering that we just talked about the fact that not a single Republican voted for impeachment in the House. The only reason that impeachment passed was, th was that because there was more Democrats in the House than Republicans. There was, there was a majority in the House. That's the only reason why not a single, not a single Republican voted for this. So shouldn't the House be the one who is noting this? Why are they doing it in the first place? They know this is completely partisan. Tulsi Gabbard called them out on this. So why are they trying to shove this thing through? Why are they trying to do this to Donald Trump? I think it would be patriotic for the House to stop trying to shove this thing through really fast and really being not, not very nice to Donald Trump, <laughs> to be honest. Okay, and the second thing that caught my attention, to say the least, is saying that Trump in Trump investigated Joe Biden, quote, despite no evidence of wrongdoing. 
to say that there was no evidence of wrongdoing on Joe Biden, now I don't think Donald Trump should be investigating Joe Biden, saying that there's no evidence that Joe Biden did anything wrong, Joe Biden should probably be investigated for what he did with Hunter Biden. Hunter Biden gained tons of money from his job. And Joe Biden said, hey, if you won't get foreign aid, if you don't stop this prosecutor who is investigating Hunter Biden at the time, and then brags about it on live TV, I think, despite no evidence of wrongdoing, that's that's a very false pl- claim to say the least. So that's it. That's it for today's episode of Give Me Liberty. Thank you for listening. As move as I am moving forward, I am going to be posting a new episode every other day. So stay tuned for Friday. My new episode will be posted then. And thanks for listening.